0: Welcome to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hi, everyone. Um, So, tonight we're going to be talking about Andrew. Andrew is a disciple of Jesus, he was one of the 12 apostles. He has a brother named Simon Peter. The same Simon Peter that was mentioned 160 times in the New Testament, second only to Jesus. For reference, Andrew is named only 13 times. Why is this, you may be asking? Well, Simon Peter was a rock, one of the three pillars of the church. One could say that he was perceived as quite a big deal. But his brother Andrew, who was he? I am one of three children, bless my dad for I have two sisters, Um, but I am the middle child and immediately all of the stereotypes that you are holding in your head, well they are all true. Let me tell you, I have a great example of this. As sisters, we love to play card games. However, when working out who was to begin, the words oldest first or youngest first would tend to be uttered, because surely this seems like quite a logical way of doing it, incorrect. Let me just tell you that this was absolutely rigged for the middle child. I was always second, not based upon merit or qualifications or character, but based upon age. So sometimes I wonder how many of us can relate to Andrew, as why was he spoken about less than his brother, Simon Peter? Was it because he was younger? Did he not do enough cool stuff? Was he not qualified? Just because he was mentioned less, does that make him and his contribution to God's kingdom any less important? So let me ask you how many times do you look around and ask these same questions? God, am I qualified? God, what is my place? God, how do you want me to speak out as a disciple of Christ? How many times do we feel overshadowed by those around us? Because of the standards that the world, ourselves, or even more dangerously, those around us place upon us. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you afresh into this space this evening come and dwell among us may the words that i speak be your words come and meet with us join us together united as brothers and sisters in your kingdom amen andrew is introduced to us through the works of john the baptist for before Andrew was even named a disciple of Jesus, before Andrew had even met with the Son of Man, the Messiah, he was seeking and searching for him. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we read of how John the Baptist in Bethany, east of the River Jordan. He was baptizing people in the name of Jesus and proclaiming his arrival. And Andrew was by his side, supporting John in this ministry, helping to prepare people for the Messiah, helping to build the Kingdom of God. And so we're going to look at the Gospel of John, and if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it at chapter 1, and we begin at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about. When I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Messiah, was spotted in this moment. If it were a game of hide and seek, Jesus has no hope at all. Because the spirit of the living God, the same one that hovers and rests amongst us as his children, had descended upon God's own son. God basically had shouted from the heavens, here he is, and Jesus and John had eyes and ears to respond to what God was saying. And he recognized Jesus for who he really is. So it continues. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. The disciples longed to come and meet with Jesus. Andrew, one of these disciples, had been seeking and searching for the Messiah. And upon hearing the words that John the Baptist proclaimed, that here was Jesus, the Lamb of God, they stopped, followed, and remained with Jesus. Let's just pause here in the enormity of what's just happened. Andrew recognized Jesus as the Messiah, Andrew stopped. He put down what he was doing and he followed. A disciple is someone who is willing to follow God, who is wanting to learn from his teachings, who places their desire to know who Jesus is above all else. This was Andrew, that in the events of a normal day, amongst the routine, he had the awareness to stop, listen and act. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. How beautiful is this? Andrew has spent the whole evening learning from Jesus, hearing his word, and he rushes to find and tell his brother. This is everyday evangelism. Seeing something that is simply too exciting, too profound, too important to just keep it to yourself. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Then Andrew had the boldness and the humility to bring his brother to Jesus. That same brother who overshadows Andrew in all of the biblical texts was brought to be a disciple of Jesus by the diligence, faith, and courage of Andrew. Yes, Peter was a pillar of the church, but Andrew was the evangelist who brought him to Jesus. Andrew was focused upon building the kingdom of God first and foremost. For in this moment, Andrew had confidence in God and not in himself. And that overshadowed any hint of comparison with his brother. Imagine what we could do if we put our confidence in God and not in ourselves. As Andrew didn't show any exemplary skills, it was John the Baptist who recognized who Jesus was. But it was Andrew who was seeking God. It was Andrew who was listening out for the Messiah. He wasn't superior to anyone else who was there. He didn't become a disciple of Jesus because of a certain desirable skill set that he had exhibited. No, he was simply willing. He was seeking and he was prepared to follow. This is all that God asks. God asks us to have a willing heart. He doesn't ask for a long list of great abilities. God asks us to have a passion for his kingdom, to praise his name, nothing more. For we are an offering just as we are. And get this, Andrew didn't even ask if he could follow Jesus, he just did it. For his confidence was based in God and not in himself. And so no wonder Andrew was eager to share this with his brother, for to be a disciple of God is to place our trust in God, to draw people to the Father so that they can see his good works. So that's who Andrew is. He's an ordinary guy. He's a disciple of God. So remember this as we skip ahead now to John chapter 6, where we rejoin Jesus and his disciples just after the death of John the Baptist the retelling of Jesus feeding the 5,000. After this, John, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? They were walking through the wilderness. John the Baptist had just been killed. The man whose ministry led many people to Jesus, who Andrew was a disciple to, had just died. What a wilderness this must have been. Many of the parables within the Gospels actually follow a time frame around the Jewish Passover. And here the time is approaching of the feast. And just as the Israelites left Egypt and entered the desert, Jesus and the disciples were walking through the wilderness... Following the first Passover, the likewise concern shared by all was food. A question, perhaps, of God's provision. Verse 6, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus had a plan. This was not a test to catch Philip out, as likewise in Exodus, just as the Israelites left Egypt and entered the desert, Jesus and the disciples were walking through the wilderness. Following the first Passover, his likewise concern shed by all was food, a question perhaps of God's provision. So let's read that verse 6 again. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus had a plan. This was not a test to catch Philip out, as likewise in Exodus, when bread was given to the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus was not going to abandon his people, a fact that still stands today. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Philip was at a loss of what to do. His solution was constrained to the limits that society had set for him that work was required to provide money to buy food. It's like he'd almost forgotten who he was talking to. I mean, Andrew doesn't really know what to do either, let's be honest, but he looked around himself and he spotted something that Jesus could use. Andrew wasn't directly asked, but he spoke up in faith. Knowing that Jesus can use anything, no matter how small or how insignificant it might appear to us. This is an obvious point, perhaps, but imagine the position that Andrew must have been in. Jesus and the disciples were surrounded, but with nothing to give. The disciples felt clueless, helpless, overshadowed by the enormity of what Jesus was asking. How often do we find ourselves in a place where we have no clue what to do? How do we find ourselves responding in that moment? We read of how Andrew responded with faith. He brought what was present around him to the attention of Jesus, with the expectation that he can do all things. Jesus didn't want Andrew or Philip to come to him with a solution. No, he wanted them to come to him with faith Because with that faith, Jesus can do something new, creative, and original to ensure God's provision for his people. Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was filled, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers, so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. In this story, Andrew spoke up and allowed himself to be used as a blessing by God. Let's for a moment delve into this story slightly further. As Andrew spotted that a boy had food, firstly, the boy should get more credit here, because there are 5,000 men, and he is apparently the only one who was thought to bring food. That's all I'm saying. But the fact that Andrew noticed this meant that he was looking outward. He was building relationships with those around him. He wasn't closed off to the crowd that was building on the hill. He wasn't absorbed by his fellow disciples and friends. No, Andrew was focused upon the people who were present. Andrew looked outward. He looked knowing that God would provide. He looked with faith, and he saw even when he didn't understand. Jesus already knew how he was going to feed everyone, For God provides. God is sovereign. And as we acknowledge this, we acknowledge that he is outside of time, meaning that he knows all things. Therefore, when we call him Almighty God, when we call him in our strength and our refuge, then we call, when we call him Wonderful Counselor, we can do this with the knowledge that he is our great provider. For he is outside the confines of this world. But despite this, Despite God knowing, he still longs for us to search for him, to search for his ways, to recognize his works and to praise the provision and to give thanks. When in our everyday lives is God asking us to look with eyes of faith, to trust in his strength and not our own, To not be closed into the routine and predictability that society confines us to. To not let our own human parameters actually blind us from God's goodness. Where do we need to speak up and act in faith to see what God will do? For God longs for his manifold wisdom to be articulated within his church, within his people. For Philip... He was blinded by the practicality of how to buy food. But for Andrew, he was not caught up in the human constraints of this world. He was not even caught up in trying to be the one with the solution. He didn't speak up for this moment of glory, as actually this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle to be mentioned in all four Gospels. But Andrew's role was so insignificant that actually he was only mentioned in the Gospel of John. So, no, instead, Andrew spoke up because he wanted to give an offering to God. He spoke up because he saw a place where he could be used to help build the kingdom of God and to give all glory to God. So, Andrew is sincere, involved, approachable. He introduces people to God, he's practical. He tries to problem solve. He sees possibilities. You were asked earlier in the service to think about the values that you hold highly in others, in yourselves. But how often do we actually speak these words of encouragement over each other? How often do we actually recognize the skills and the gifts that God has blessed you and others with? As a disciple of Christ, we are all called to be a part of the same family, the same body. And with that, everyone has a place. Everyone needs a place for the body to work together in harmony. But also everyone has a role to speak encouragement over one another, to hold one another to account, to be a conduit by which God's blessing can fall upon his people. We all have a part to play in the royal priesthood. Do not be under any illusion that God hasn't given you a role. As we heard last week, everyone who believes in God is transformed. They have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, and therefore they live life with God, for God. Therefore, everyone has a responsibility to go into the world and demonstrate the love of God. Everyone has a responsibility to teach others about who Jesus is and his gifts of grace. Everyone has the ability to be a blessing upon one another, to share words of encouragement, to speak God's blessing over people's lives. But also to be a part Of a royal priesthood means that we are all called to serve. And by serve, I don't just mean the roles that are visible. No, we're all called to serve just as Andrew did, in the background, through relationships, through conversation, through stewarding one another, through making tea and coffee. For all are called to be a vessel by which God's blessing can fall upon his people. All of us are a means by which God can bless his people and his world and this alone is an act of worship to him you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called out of darkness into his wonderful light the church God's people gets to be a culture in which it's not the loudest that's get called because all are visible. But for this to hold steadfast, we need to be the people that God created us to be. Not the version of ourselves that we think we ought to be. As God longs for you to be the character, the disciple, the brother and sister that he designed and knitted in your mother's womb. For God welcomes us just as we are. And we need to be transformed by this unconditional love. How can I say this? Well, it's because of grace. Grace. That same grace that we are about to inhabit as we share in communion. For God willingly gave his only son so that we could be embraced by him. So that we could have a living relationship with him. Therefore... Embrace being unqualified. Embrace your need for grace. As with it comes freedom. Embrace being a quiet presence like Andrew. Embrace being yourself. God wants to bless the person that he created you to be. And not the person that you feel like you need to pretend to be. For like Andrew, God longs to use us as a blessing for his kingdom. So praise God that all of us here and those watching online have different temperaments, different abilities, but we all have the same value. And God wants us all to be part of the royal priesthood, to be a living and breathing and active part of his kingdom to serve others to encourage others, to bless others, to be served, to be encouraged, to be blessed. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.